Hi everyone and welcome to The Constant Cheerleader, the podcast that champions the people who go above and beyond to make a difference in the world and their communities over a cuppa. My name is Gemma Stevenson and joining me today is a director, choreographer and all-round creative font of knowledge I'd say. Currently causing a commotion on social media with her online club for young children and toddlers, reading and writing stories daily for it, as well as organising a time for informal chat with parents where ideas are shared. Here to give us 30 minutes of her best mat talk this week is Vicky Hargreaves. Hi Vicky, how are you? Hello, I'm really well, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it's, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, I mean, what's it been now? About nine months since we uh, last saw each yes. other in person? Yeah, it must be actually. Yeah, just, just shy of nine months, yeah. It feels yeah. weird, doesn't it? We were at that dance lab last year and it will it happen this year exactly yeah the world has changed dramatically in such a short space of time <laughs> i mean it's what been four weeks yeah you've you've actually gone from a producer of dance shows to a producer of online really teaching content yeah absolutely absolutely um and i think it was just mainly the the need for that connection to still take place um i really very quickly felt like all of a sudden, the world that I knew around dancing, around interacting with communities, that had just disappeared in in a short breath. Um, and I was meant to and due to be leading some more sessions uh, physically, and they got cancelled straight away. So I thought, well, what can I do? Um, and this is how Commotion Club started. <laughs> and we'll talk a bit more about the theatre industry, because it, it has been one of the industries that's been very affected by this yeah. whole crisis. And um artists all around the world are having to kind of creatively think of ways around the problem um but first things first we need to answer the important question uh we do chat over a cuppa so what cuppa have you brought with you today uh-huh so um usually my cuppa of choice would actually be a really lovely latte of some description um but i am 38 weeks pregnant at the moment so it's a decaf latte <laughs> that i am having <laughs> still the same taste not the same buzz <laughs> got a very special mug with me because it's actually a handmade mug um, that one of my artist friends made me for my birthday this year um, so it's a very special um, uh, mug to me um, so yes cheers <laughs> <laughs> the theatre community really do love a cuppa don't they they love a <laughs> yeah oh yes they I love mean, a coffee <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure how health and safety conscious it is uh, to be having hot drinks while you're you know throwing yourself about a rehearsal room but <laughs> But we do it, don't we? <laughs> yeah, it works. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps us going. Talk to me a bit about commotion when you're not in lockdown. What was and what is still commotion in essence? Because it's kind of this really, from my experience of working with you, it's, it's this really special form of dance theatre that introduces so m many young people to actually dance theatre. Yeah, that's it. Exactly that. So we've been running for around 10 years now, actually. Um, and Commotion basically was born out of a love of making dance for children. Um, so when I first started um, teaching and delivering dance, I noticed that there was a, a gap in the market for performance for children and families, particularly in dance. There's lots of theatre performances, um, companies, fantastic companies out there creating theatre for children and family audiences but there isn't as many in dance. Um, and I feel really passionately that dance can communicate without using words. Um, 
and sparks the interest and an imagination of a family um, at a very young age. So commotion, in essence, we create performing shows that tour indoor and outdoor circuits. Um, and we are Arts Council funded um, when I need to ask for money to create these shows. Um, and then we have a team of about five core um, members of the team, uh, dance artists and musician. And uh, we make the dance work where we can um, across the year. We try to tour outdoor work in the summer and then we will tour in indoor work within the autumn or Christmas seasons. Um, but it's out of a love of making dance for children and families um, and a love of seeing the expression that those children then get from seeing what we've made. Um, so every piece is unique and every show has a, a unique way of um, creating a story and making a story unfold through music and movement. And you've talked about creating a story. Um, what's really, I think, unique about what you do as a practitioner is you actually do create a storybook for those shows that you do, but then it kind of gives them an interactive experience at home as well, don't, doesn't it, after they've finished watching the show? Yeah, that's the hope. So um, when I was younger, as a child, I absolutely adored poetry. And I found the rhythm of a story through poetry form was something that I could really access in comparison to, to non poetry format of storytelling. Um, so and I've, I've learned to develop that as a craft. It's not my first and foremost thing that I do. But what I realized was that a lot of the story making that I create through choreography could then translate into a poetry format of some kind. So I tried it. And the first time we tried it, we created this storybook uh, that was then linked to the Christmas show that we'd created. And that was the first time I've ever linked the two. So choreographically, the story came first. And then secondary to that was the, the poetry book, whereas a lot of theatre is based on existing books um, already. So the book would come first and then the theatre would come second. Um, but actually, my process as a choreographer and a director is that I will make the work as a live performance first, and then think about how I can write it afterwards. I mean, you're talking about the writing process, but you've kind of moved into the online sphere now and um, you've had to you've kind of been forced to because theatres are all closed and you don't know when they're going to open again you're completing a feat that many authors would be scared to do I mean you write a new story like <laughs> practically every day and read it aloud Yes, I mean, I have to say it's a very short story. And I, and because we have the luxury of time now, um, in, in this lockdown state, we I have the my, my brain power creatively is is being utilized, whereas in my day to day rush around being producer or choreographer or um, talking to artists and supporting them, you don't get the time in the same way that this lockdown has let me um, have. So making the stories, the short stories, they're about 15 minutes long in total when we're when I'm reading them out um, live. The stories have become um, just a part of my weekly creativity, really. And it keeps me sane, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think any of these stories, I know you've said the choreography comes first, mm. and then the kind of book? Do you think you could see when you get back to the dance studio any of these stories that you've made turning into something or into a new work 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's again, it's opened up my eyes as an artist to how I can then um, utilize what I've already been storing up, really. Um, so I never stop thinking about my next show. I've got about five pieces, five choreographies in my head um, across that would span across the next five, six years um, when, when and if we can get into studio time. But I think the stories that I'm creating now for the Zoom sessions and the Commotion Club, I think are, um, I would love to be able to place them somewhere, whether that be choreographically or whether that be in a short story book, um, I don't know, or potentially material for delivering live teaching sessions as well um, and using them as a, as a tool to lead the dance sessions that I would then teach live to families and children so yeah lots of possibilities you talked about originally your idea for commotion dance it, it cornered a gap in the market but i would say also when you've moved online you've cornered a gap in the market as well because i've seen plenty of instagram lives and stuff going on but they're more well the majority of them are aimed at kind of the older dancer the one who's maybe going to dance classes and um, has a little bit of training and wants to maybe just keep up their dancing at home this commotion club is I mean you're very brave Vicky I mean this is like <laughs> aimed at probably the youngest children you could aim it at yeah absolutely it's um I think what I did was I I knee-jerked I reacted very, very quickly to what was going on around me. And I thought, I know that there are parents out there, friends of mine who have toddlers, who will now be in a lockdown situation with a very small toddler, potentially with other children in their home, potentially with a secondary carer who is now working from home as well. And I started to think about what their lives would be like over the next few weeks to be locked down. Um, and... I reacted very quickly to it. So I think because I knew that what works within a classroom environment or a dance studio environment, um, I needed to adapt it slightly in order to make it work online. For example, usually I would use quite a lot of um, props. So we might have colorful scarves or pom-poms or bubbles, but not every household is going to have those items. And I would usually bring those to the dance studio. So I had to adapt my thinking around that of what could we use as household items to engage with as well, with, with which somebody else would have within their house. Um, but And I also think that the reason that it's been so successful is because of me reacting quickly. So within the first week, I had 35 people email and say, please, can I join in with this class? Since then, I've noticed there are more toddler sessions, potentially sensory sessions or sing and sign or music sessions, um, but still there's not an awful lot for dance. Um, but we use that word um, in the most creative sense possible because it is about moving our bodies creatively. It's not about learning steps um, because at that age, you just want to have fun with moving to music um, and families can access it together so i've had three or four sessions now where i've seen full families joining in so mum dad little one and maybe five six-year-old joining in all at the same time or if they've got a teenage daughter or son they are coming in and supporting that that small child as well so it's been really eye-opening and what's also been lovely is where people are 
connecting from. So we've had some people coming um, via Germany, um, other people coming from across the country. I'm I'm south of um, England. And I know a number of people up north who would love to access some of our sessions and that haven't been able to, and now they can. So it's been really lovely to see that mix of different people all in the same virtual room um, dancing together. You've basically become the Joe Wicks of dance, haven't you? <laughs> you need to get on that on YouTube now and start going, OK, I'm going to give you a daily dance lesson, homeschoolers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, a lot of the people you will be appealing to as well are probably facing the challenges of having to homeschool um, and there is you are trying with your content to make a sort of educational element to it as well aren't you yeah that's right so every week we have a theme in particular um it might be an outer space theme it might be underwater theme but each theme links throughout the week um and the dance sessions link to the story that then link to how we might how I might offer something for them to then do uh, within their home as well. Um, an example being we I created a telescope for our outer space session um, just using some old recycling materials um, and some colouring pens and then put that online and said, you could make your own um, and how creative could you be or could you create your own mini story based on my story? Um, so it's allowing and giving them some offerings um, that where the parent doesn't have to always be the thinker um, of the of the activity, and I think that's the main feedback I've received so far from parents is that what the half an hour sessions are offering them is that time to connect with their child without being the teacher of it um, and being the person that can just enjoy alongside. Uh, alongside their child rather than having to think of what to do because <laughs> it feels like a collaboration between you and the parents I mean you have a special session each week where it literally is called parent time yeah it's a really interesting one we we it's again it's a bit like a conversation like we're having today it's over a cuppa it's that moment to be able to say are you okay are you having issues what's your um, positive story of the day um, how can we support each other um, and become a bit of a champion for each other because everybody's been plunged into this situation together um, and and actually you could feel quite isolated as a parent so offering that kind of half an hour time is it's it's allowing people to just go hi this is me as, as a non-parent, <laughs> um, rather than the mum or the dad all the time, let's just have a chat. Um, and I think it's it's really important that people still have that connection as well. Um, I want to talk to you now about the theatre industry as a whole. Mm. Um, because we talk about in the theatre, you know, things going dark, but literally the curtains closed overnight. There was a lot of uncertainty at the beginning, wasn't there? Because as an industry you didn't quite know what messages you were being sent about staying open and and then all of a sudden it was curtains down not sure when they'll open again yeah exactly that um and i think again that was slightly why i reacted the way i did with this commotion club online as well um because the the theater world um at, at the best of times is vulnerable um and relies on um 
money being driven into it um, it relies on people taking part it relies on um, fantastic promotion and marketing um, and all of a sudden in the space of a few days everything was on uh, shutdown and nobody really had a sense at the beginning of this lockdown of how long that would be for should we be cancelling activities or shows um, what will the artists do and the self-employed freelancers do so it was really quite scary and still is to be honest for a lot of, of my artist friends um, and but the theatres are rallying around and there's a lot on social media um, about how people can engage um, they are becoming as creative as each other with zoom sessions or live instagrams um, things and challenges to do at home but I think it's about communicating and carrying on that conversation so the producers and the directors of the theatre world need to carry on uh, having conversations making sure we plan for the future as well as the short term so the short term we we're kind of dealing with now um as a sector i would say but it's now thinking about the long term and how we um, sustain ourselves how we bring audiences back in how we make people feel safe and secure when we are back open um so lots of things lots to think about but i think it is mainly about communicating um and keeping that dialogue going with with funders with stakeholders um and making sure that yeah, everybody's in that loop and still connected. I found myself, I like I sit down to my Thursday night theatre with the National Theatre. I watch mm -hmm. a bit of Andrew Lloyd Webber on a Friday night. I mean, you've talked about the theatre community and the theatre industry looking at ways to get people back in. I mean, how much of an impact do you think that live streaming into people's homes is going to help to get people back in the theatre as soon as they're open again? I think there's a it's a beauty and a curse at the same time. Um, I think the beauty of it is is that it's um, allowing people who might not be able to get to the theatre or access the theatre. Um, it's the live sessions or the um, the offering online is allowing people a window into the wonderful world of theatre and the arts, which is amazing. And the technology that we have in order to see these huge productions right in front of our living rooms is incredible. Um, but on the flip side of that, there's a question for me that, is it as good as live theatre? Um, how do you feel when you leave that theatre? The theatre experience for me isn't just about watching the show, it's about attending, it's about that interval, it's about that connection with the audience, it's about the connection between audience and performer which in my personal opinion you can't get through a screen you can get the essence of it and see the beauty and the craft of it but actually to be there live um with that stage in front of you that magic that is is undeniable that it, it is um a way of life um so i don't think that the theater has anything to worry about in the long term in terms of people coming back to it but I do hope that it becomes a parallel so that we do have this online option for people and continue to offer that. But we do maintain and keep those theatres going with, with the live because there's just nothing like it, really. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's kind of that buzz you get when you've seen a really good show, whether that's a dance piece or a play or a musical. It's that buzz that live theatre can give you, isn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think it will ever go away. That will never stop happening. Um, but we just have to be cautious with how we get back into that after this lockdown period. <laughs> and talking about being cautious, I mean, there's an added element to your shows, isn't there, that that is going to probably make it harder for you um, to get back up and running in exactly the same way you were, even if this lockdown's lifted in like another six to eight weeks because you have that interactive element to your show don't you where the audience the children can come and interact with the actors longer term I mean how how do you even begin to plan for that yeah I think that's a really interesting question because we have um the way that we work is is the even with the making process we will work with young people so before it's even on a stage we would be interacting with young people um, through a nursery or through inviting them into the rehearsal space um, and all of those things are the very essence of what makes some of our shows um and no well, all of our shows and the other thing is that we're small scale. So yes, the fantastic musicals and the fantastic large productions that are in the West End um, have have a place, but also the small scale work has a place. Um, the freelance artists that we work with um, and the small scale venues that we work with, and particularly for family audiences, where we might be only performing to say 50 to 100 people at once, but it's that intimate experience that they're receiving. Um, I know that we will have to think long and hard about how we gain people's um, trust back into being connected in that way. Um, not just our company, but that but all small scale companies. Um, and I think there will be a, a process that everyone will, will go through. Whether I don't know what that process will be yet, but I do think that we will have to tread carefully and and respect what's what's happened and acknowledge that because people young people are being um young people now are reacting and interacting with a screen on a daily basis and that is fantastic that they have got a window to the outside world whilst we're in lockdown but it's also making sure that it doesn't become the norm um, and actually that we are able to make sure that our children still play and create without the technology um, which is what commotion strives to do all of the time <laughs> when I worked with you the one thing you said is you know children are unpredictable um you don't know what they're going to do. I think you told me a story about one of them ending up on stage, didn't you, with your actors? Yes, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, because they're toddlers, the very nature of what they're, the way they engage um, will purely depend on, on the moment in time. Um, and we try to be as open as possible with all of our shows. So one of the things we do often is a relaxed performances. So if babies need to cry, they can cry. It's okay. If we need to have um, toddlers going in and out to nip to the loo, that's fine too. Come and sit down when you're ready. Um, but there was one little girl who was so involved in the dancing of the performance. There's a particular element of the show where... Um, we have snow, a snowdrop come from the stage um, and she was in so, so much awe of the, the performers and the live musician at the same time um, that she just came on stage. She just joined us. She had a <laughs> dance um, and, and that is obviously something that the dancers have to get used to, the unpredictability of what will happen in that space um, and that's part of our learning as a company um, and rehearsals um, have to be 
um, supporting that kind of offer when you're performing there. But but it was a lovely, lovely moment. And the mother really quickly swept her up again. So it was um, in no way damaging, but actually that connection is something that they that no child can get through a video or through a screen. So it is a magical moment, definitely. <laughs> As a dancer yourself, we're talking about um, children interacting through a screen. Like, I know as a cheerleader and dancer, um, you can only do so many Instagram live classes or Facebook live classes, and they're great what people are doing, but they don't mimic that real life studio experience. I mean, how much are you missing that studio experience right now? Oh, missing it greatly. I think the connection that you have with your class participants, um, when you see them on a weekly basis, face to face, uh, they come in, they share their week with you. Um, it's not just about dancing in the space, it's about connection. And I know I've used that word a lot, but actually that is what commotion is, is about. It's connecting people through art. Um, and having that social responsibility as well to be able to make people feel happy and joyful and um, create something with families that might not ever happen. So I am missing the physical interaction greatly. And again, the, the conversation that I had earlier about adapting, so adapting the props, but also adapting my movement material. Um, an example would be that we usually, within a physical session, would create a circle dance all together. So everyone in the room would be all holding hands um, and, and we would finish with a huge circle um, of connection. And that can't happen on screen. So the, the children are are connecting in a circle with their parent or their carer within that space that they have in their living room. Um, but I'm doing that on my own in the space and, and sharing that idea. Um, but that it's those kind of small subtles, subtleties that you miss um, with that live element, definitely. Talking about connection, we'll kind of segue on actually. We're asking you to um, connect with our audience a little bit. And, you know, you do it with Commotion Club. You give people creative ideas. Um, so I'm expecting wonderful things here, Vicky. No, <laughs> no pressure. Uh, but uh, it's that point in the interview where we ask you to take part in our cultural exchange. So for anybody who isn't involved in cheerleading, uh, when we go off to comps, uh, we have something called a cultural exchange, which is where we give people from other countries a little gift from our country. Um, we all kind of mingle. It's very interactive, a bit like your shows. So this is your chance, Vicky, to give our listeners and the wider world a bit of cultural exchange and a bit of a suggestion of things to keep them going this week. Amazing. OK, so there's a couple of other people that I wanted to... Um celebrate actually who are doing some really fantastic work for young people in particular um and one of them is on an instagram called uh, playmaker teach with susie um and she is a teacher primary school teacher um and she has created a new instagram page particularly for parents who need creative ideas within their home um, but linked back to the curriculum so they are still able to be supporting their child's learning, um, particularly in key stage one, um, but with a really creative element. So examples being on the page are how could you could you freeze 
some of your toys in a block of ice and then have the children um, take dig with different utensils and see when the melting process takes place and then have a conversation about it. Um, but that's a really fun, engaging way to, to interact with um, children whilst they're still trying to learn um, at the same time. Um, so Playmaker Teach with Susie is, is fantastic Instagram play, place. Um, and I think the, the other piece of wisdom that I would give is, is to share your space. So um, there are obviously going to be households where there are different variety of age groups and different needs within that space at one time. Um, and being adaptable and flexible as much as possible, um, I would say, is the way forward. So if you know that there's commotion club taking place on a Tuesday morning, you book the living room out on that Tuesday morning. <laughs> and it's just m utilizing your time and your space that you have. And then maybe the afternoon, you've got that time for um, a story time or play time, or potentially that's time for parent who needs to work in that space um, as well. And you can move to another room. So I think, um, being as flexible as possible in these times is my one piece of advice in particular. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're having to be flexible. We haven't mentioned it yet, but um, you're quite near um, having a little child of your own, aren't you? <laughs> exactly, yes. So every day I keep saying to my um, participants of Commotion Club, it could be the last day <laughs> for some time, um, but we will carry up, we'll keep carrying on. And actually what I'm doing with that flexibility in mind is also pre-recording some um content for our youtube channel um so as and when baby arrives um we can still put some content onto um the world wide web for people to be able to follow and and to continue that um element of connecting with with all of the commotion club members <laughs> yeah so that they kind of don't lose touch and then exactly you'll appear one day when you get bored yes. and you'll be like I'm back <laughs> yeah fingers crossed that will work beautifully <laughs> I should also mention as well that the commotion activities online are are all free it wasn't about the payment for me it was about connecting so um anyone can join in and anyone can sign up final thing we're going to ask you to do you haven't seen cheer on Netflix have you no I haven't but I need to by the sound I of mean it. I, I feel like you need to I feel like <laughs> You need to meet Jerry. If there was a transatlantic person you needed in one of your shows when you get back up and running, it is Jerry Harris. I'm not okay. going to lie. Um, <laughs> his Matt talk is, um, I mean, pure brilliance. But we haven't got Jerry here, unfortunately. However, I think you can do just as good a job. So uh, have you got some Matt talk ready for us today? Okay, well, yes, I did have a big think about this. I've got two pearls of wisdom for you. So one is our commotion dance motto, actually, which is simply three words, play, create and learn. And I really think that um, those three stand out for me and they have been our motto for the last 10 years and we continue to use that as an ethos. Keep playing keep creating and you will always keep learning at the same time and I think that that's those three words quite, could ring quite true to people particularly in these uncertain times um get creative however you can um play that we forget the art of playing as adults so it's it's 
coming back to that childhood um, and then also learning you're learning through play you're learning through being creative um, so those are my three strong words um, and then my personal motto in life um, I'm quite a positive person most of the time um, and my my motto is everything happens for a reason and we might not know that reason at the moment but going forward at some point in time we might look back and go oh okay that's why that's why that happened or that's why i was in that situation and most of the time if you can reflect back on that um you you realize why why we had to do what we did so yeah everything happens for a reason and stay safe <laughs> <laughs> two and potentially three with the stay safe uh, great mottos there vicky absolutely great mottos to kind of live by in these kind of what's been very difficult times um all i've got left to do now is say a huge huge thank you for giving up your time and uh joining us today because you have rushed straight from a commotion club to actually record this podcast haven't you Yes, I have. Yeah, no, thank you as well for having me um, and for having the company. Um, it's just useful and wonderful to be able to share what we're doing with people virtually as well as um, physically when we are able. Um, but you can follow us on social media. Um, we've got all the different social media platforms, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, just need to Google Commotion Dance um, and then you can find out all about our classes. Brilliant. So thank you, Vicky, again. And uh, also thank you everyone to listening again uh, to my ramblings for half an hour. Um, I'll leave you all with uh, one final message and that is to stay safe, stay home and stay well. And we will meet again at the same time next week to champion another of life's cheerleaders. Thank you.